Yeah, got the clap going so we can link up the audio, but I'm here with Sean from Freewill. Uh, Sean, give us a little background about how you got into brewing and who you are and all that all that fun stuff. The, the fun stuff. Um, I think I got into brewing just like everybody else, homebrewed. Um, you know, found a way to get beer cheaper than paying for uh, mass-distributed beer. Um, and this quickly went down that slope of uh, finding quality, flavor, all sorts of things that come with craft that you really couldn't find back in uh, the early drinking years where you weren't really looking for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went from there to uh, moved into Doylestown, Pennsylvania, um, found a local brewery called Geronimo, and I went in there, met the owner, um, just started kind of, you know, shooting the shit, if you would, for... Uh, fun and craft and stuff like that so he was making a lot of uh, british beers and i really hadn't explored that way and um found a love for it brought some beers and we exchanged beers and started working there um figured out there's a possibility of like going you know i liked enough where i could make a career out of it so mm-hmm. went to uh, brewing school for american brewers guild in vermont and um shortly after that you know graduating one got a job with uh free will and i've been there for two and a half years moved up to head brewer um doing a lot of stuff with recipes all that so nice yeah and freewell was actually my first brewery that i went to i remember my dad uh he that was the basement days when i'm sure many of our listeners remember the basement days at freewell but it's much it's it's graduated to something a little bigger than that since but uh the main thing that i think you and i have a big interest in right now is stylized yeast yeah um can you let people know what thialized yeast is and maybe your background because you were a little well little more well versed in it than i am so yeah so thialized yeast was essentially that uh there are some really smart people out there way above my pay grade who were um taking yeast and genetically modifying certain genes in it to have a enzyme of some sort that would essentially take um bound thiols and freeing them and so if people who aren't familiar with thiols as they're compounds that are extraordinarily high when it comes to um fruity flavors tropical flavors um but the difference between those and normal cop compounds is that they are more um available to the human nose than regular compounds so we're talking yeah. like um i'm trying to think of like some compounds like geraniol like they're you know we measure them in parts per billion yeah. Whereas some of these styles are parts per trillion. So like you're talking, you can smell these for down to single, single parts per trillions. Whereas we're looking at, um, other regular beer compounds as parts per billion. So essentially you had some guy who was just like, yeah, you know, let's, you know, figure a way out to make these more available. So they genetically modified yeast to do that. So that's why we hear thialized. All it is, is it's just a yeast that's genetically modified. That is readily freeing those compounds yeah and it's almost like because we're so used to the hops actually creating the flavor like when we think of a traditional ipa it's like all right the the actual hop smells like peach the actual hop smells like you know in sabro it smells like coconut tangerine whereas the yeast is actually interacting with the thiols or the hops and it's actually creating different flavors like and i think a good example is like saz like yeah. Saz, which traditionally is used in Czech Pilsners, you know, if you have Pilsner or Kellett, Saz hop, but when you actually use the thialized yeast, you get 
crazy like mango it's, flavors it's yeah. it's, it's pretty intense yeah it is. i always try and explain it to to people that it's it's not the hop like the traditional hop flavor doesn't create the flavor if that makes sense no, <laughs> it's, it it's does not the certain yeah like you said the thir- the certain thiols that are creating these different flavors so it's and, uh it's really interesting and I, and it's fun to see how free will has kind of morphed the hazy IPAs and I know that um, you have a couple thylized beers out there and um, as we we're, we're drinking one of ours and I always have Sean um, test my beers to make sure that they're all right <laughs> uh, so yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is this is Matueka um, yeah. And it's interesting because usually Matueka is kind of like that limey, you know, that it's a little more citrus forward, whereas this, it's just so tropical. Yeah, it's and really... And it, it, it transforms what we know about hops into something that I feel like we don't really know as much about. Like, because to be honest, most labs aren't even able to recognize these compounds on the, the, the small level they are. They're, that's how, like, actual, like, potency there is per small amount. It's crazy. Yeah, and I think... Um because it's so new it seems like there's not much research like r&d you know like like whenever i'm brewing with i'm sure you feel the same way with thylized it's like our collab i think is a good example yeah. of uh what did you think of it i would not want to drink that <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it was it was a it was a good attempt at it at thylized yeah and yeah. it was it was a good learning point i think for both of us too and it was it was because i love sabro and it didn't work so well in our collab. And then I tried it in my own brew house and I was like, yeah, and Sabro did yeah. terrible with Thylized. And, you know, now we know, you know, I don't think either of us is ever going to throw Sabro in I, a Thylized no, beer. No. You might not ever throw it in any beer. No, I mean, I, I definitely, <laughs> I have intentions of using it. I'm just, you have to really pick and choose. So there's, again, the research hasn't been done yet, but there's something in there in Sabro that does not work well. It's some sort of thial that gets freed up that just produces massive green flavors that yeah it's not it's just not appropriate in a, a hazy ipa if you're going for that tropical notes it's just not appropriate do you think it's the like um because obviously these beers are hazy do you think if we were to filter these or centrifuge them do you think all of the flavor or most of it most of it would be removed or do you think that those flavor compounds are actually just like locked into the beer a bit like I'd be interested to see what like a like a filtered like hazy IPA would like that's how a, much of the flavor would be left. That's a good question. I mean, we the only beer we centrifuge with the thialized yeast is Garcia's Forest, the one you had earlier, and it still had quite a bit of that green aroma. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, we're talking, I mean, massive, massive amount of hops in the hot side, massive amount of hops in the dry hop. Like it's it's a it's a big beer in multiple ways. Yeah. Um, and the centrifuge is essentially for people that or unaware is a, is a, it's a big, uh, it, it pretty, it spins the beer to, yeah, it's a big bowl that and it spins the beer in order to get larger particles or solids right. out of it. Yeah. Um, which I, I have no experience with it, but yeah. I would love one. Um, <laughs> no, they're great. I mean, we've used it. I've, we've actually since changed most of our IPAs that are not 60 barrel batches down to no centrifuge really okay. because they do diminish the aroma and they do diminish the head retention just by naturally, like, they beat up the beer. The beer gets warmer inside of it. Um, Interesting. It, oh, it, it gets just, it gets warmer just, in there. It yeah, the temperature just from the rises friction up. or eventually, whatever. Eventually, yeah, eventually it does. It lowers it down, but again, you're you're still talking a few degrees warmer. Um, 
we've noticed just a diminish in the aromatic quality. Whereas when we straight transfer the beer over to the bright tank, um, through like small, very small, like part particle filters. Yeah. Um, we don't lose as much. Gotcha. We, we, we naturally care of a little more of that green matter, but over time it settles out if you give the proper time, but it's just, it's, it is interesting. And I, you know, I haven't really tested to see on those smaller batches. If we centrifuge it, does it make it better? Does it make it worse? Do we lose something? Is yeah. it even worth using? Like I, I just haven't tested it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something new and I'm interested to see what the market does with it. Have you, have you advertised that you're using thialized yeast? Like I know speaking from personal experience, when we advertise that we're actually using thialized yeast, it seems that the customer base seems really interested in it. I'll put it that way. And whenever we put a thialized beer out there, it sells very fast. So have you seen anything like that, like trends-wise? Have you advertised it much, or is it kind of something that not you slip under the radar, but you just like here's another hazy IPA with these flavors? Yeah, I think some of them we have. Like we just put out that uh, petite IPA that is heavily thialized, just to lessen the load of hops. Um, those are ones we do we do it because you know customers are kind of wondering where the flavor comes from because there is a lack of that traditional IPA flavor. If that makes sense, like you're not getting that hot bite, you're not getting that that green matter, you're getting more of that tropical notes, but you don't have that bitterness to back it up or that any of that green matter. Yeah. So you kind of have to explain to customers what's going on there. Um, it's also a very, and I know we always it, there's a very distinct flavor to it. I it's think. guava. It's, yeah. Oh, it's like over ripened guava. Like if you were to put a guava or something like or um, honeydew in the sun, I could see that honey. Yeah. You, you honeydew. let it sit in the sun for like an hour or two, like that that warm gross and i say gross like i use it delicately but like it is kind of like you smell it and dank? It's just like it, it is it's like dank, yeah over ripened sweet fruit yeah not it, yeah it's like i always say it's like nelson like nelson solvent but like a super like fruity nelson solvent so fruity yeah it's almost overly fruity and it it can be overbearing yeah for it it also depends on the hops yeah like the the most recent one that you haven't released yet, and this I'm sure it'll be released when this podcast comes out, but that session one that you came out with, I thought that was kind of dialed back a bit, mm-hmm. um, but it still smelled extremely, extremely fruity, which was, and I that, loved it. I think that was one of the best ones you've actually brewed yeah. that I tasted, that, but that's more to my palate. So. Sure. And that's also the least amount of hops I think we've ever used as a company at Free Will Brewing Company. Really? Yeah. I mean, we're talking one pound per barrel. Like it's it's intense. Gosh, yeah, it's and intense in ways that we've dialed it back. I mean, like I actually I didn't even know if it was gonna work. Like I, you know, when I came out with it, I was like, it, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. And we tried it, and you know, for what it is, like for a session or how we call it a petite, you know, if you're drinking a few of them, you can. That's a crushable beer. I think, oh my, my gosh, opinion. yeah, that was. It's, there's there's no bite to it. There's nothing to it other than like just kind of fruit. And there's a, a slight balance to it, but it's still, I don't know, in my opinion, it still lacks a little bit of something. Gotcha. For, yeah. What, it, so, it lacks some component to it that makes it more drinkable. Like, if you go drink Founders All Day IPA, it's not overly bitter. Like, there's there's yeah. there's a perfect harmonic balance between every aspect of it. We're just missing some aspect of that. Gotcha. I'm sure you'll get it. Yeah. It's. Do you, do you see a future in thialized yeast? Oh, yeah. You do? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 It's, it's not going to take over. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's not. Yeah, I I don't think it's like the brewed IPAs or anything like that. I I think it's a very useful tool because I 
I see the potential as being able to use less hops, like you were just saying, mm-hmm. and being able to try, like kind of generate the same amount of flavor uh, and not not trick the market. But I guess you could kind of trick them. Be like, sure, it tastes hoppy. What what traditionally like you would call a hazy IPA? I think some of those flavors. Um, but like you know, even like your super sessions, like there's a there's always a potential. I think I don't think you benefit as much going for like the big IPAs, mm-hmm. but like when you go to the smaller IPAs, like there's a big market there because you can cut out two thirds of your hops, you can cut out three quarters of your hops, you can get a lot more hop quality without actually adding the hop into it for sure. Yeah, and I think that is exactly like you know, if you can make a beer with two thirds, three quarters less of the hops. Why wouldn't you? Oh my gosh, and get a higher yield. Yeah, your yield is extraordinarily higher than it normally would be. You have less bitter matter. You don't have that bite to it ever. It's it's ready sooner. Yeah, and also traditionally, like we get we lose about like thirty percent. So if we brew a hundred gallons, we we lose thirty percent. We'll get seventy gallons out of it. Where with the thylized stuff, it I feel like there's potential. You could maybe lose. 20 percent yeah i mean that's a lot that's a huge yield and you're cutting costs especially stuff's crazy right now with costs let me do math i actually did it the other day Um, with with the new one that you had me taste yeah yeah. Uh, dude no joke i thought that was one of the better hazies you've brewed no 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 offense Satan. (laughs) uh let's see i think the the if you can get it to like twenty, like fifteen, twenty percent, we lost twelve and a half percent. Oh my gosh! See, that's yeah. that's a huge. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like we only. And you lost... didn't even fuge that, did you? you no, nah, that's even... straight transfer. Wow. That's, that's why I say like if we centrifuge it, we've probably only lost five to eight percent. But how much aromatic quality do you lose? That's yeah. You know, there's a balance. Mm-hmm. Like if we're only losing twelve percent on a straight transfer, yeah. That's a win to me. That's huge. Yeah, that's, yeah, a win. that's humongous. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think that there's, a, I think we need, I think brewers need to do more R and D on it and to see the, you know, to unlock its full potential. I'm sure it'll get there yeah. and I'm it's sure young. more. Yeah. It's very young. It's very young. Yeah. And I, um, I, I do see those beers trending in the future and going forward. Is there, um, you know, moving, moving on past the thylized stuff, uh, what, is there anything that you see being the next trend or anything that you've seen personally? You're all right. Yeah. As long as you burp off the camera. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> this is a beer podcast. <laughs> people I'm sure expecting it. Um, is, is there something that you've seen or something that you feel like is, is up and coming or any, any sort of trend? <laughs> I wish I could tell you. I don't, I, I genuinely don't know, especially me being like a, bare minimal part of any part of sales yeah i don't really know but coming from like being a uh, a brewer who goes out and does try and stay in touch with the market and see what people are brewing what people are drinking i i just feel like we're at a point where it's it's leveled out almost mm-hmm. um what do, you, what do you mean by leveled out like like competition or uh well i think actually i think competition wise is it is leveling out i mean i think a lot of breweries are unfortunately closing but yeah we're we were a little oversaturated for a while Mm -hmm. but i think when it comes to beer styles like we have hazy ipas they're they're never going anywhere uh people have been trying to get rid of them forever they're not going anywhere no they're not going anywhere no uh loggers just made the rise up i don't think they're going to peak past where they already have Mm -hmm. um west coast ipa is like slowly coming back is what i've been told um but again I don't know if it's going to get past 
much further where it is. I just think that there's there's a place for a lot of different styles. And it's yeah. tough to tell which style is going to be next because, like, I don't think there's another hazy IPA. No. To put it that way, I don't think that there's another style that comes out where it's like, I think people tried it with the heavily fruited sours. I mean, they're, they're here, but they're, they're nothing what they're they not used to be. to be. Yeah, they're, they're, they're almost dying off a bit. I, I'm, I think it's more going towards ABV. I think like lower, sessions, yeah. Yeah, I like think low, lower ABV beers. options. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's the next trend. And even even with our personally our tasting room sales um, on draft, people people attack anything that's below five and a half percent. You know, they, they people want to drink bulk. They want to yeah. drink beer. They want to that makes sense. Like drink a few beers before they can go home. Yeah, and then they'll take. Otherwise, you go there and you drink two eight percent nine percent IPAs. You're like, done. You're, you're done. You're, yeah, you're done for the day. Yeah, yeah that's you no can't, fun. You can't sit around and enjoy, uh, you know, being there. And it's interesting to see the, the different markets coming in now too. Yeah. Like I think my age group is, you know, the, the, the 20, 28 to like 35 year olds with families. I think the families are becoming big in the, in tasting room. And that's, that's a whole different animal. <laughs> you're, you're really going to split some crowds here. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. But it's, I feel like, that demographic specifically is looking to stay somewhere, hang out longer, and they're going to drink beer and then or drink lower ABV options and then take home right the the bigger stuff. Sure, yeah, and I think that's completely reasonable, and I think that makes, in my opinion, complete sense. Yeah, I I, I see barrel aged beers coming back too. Oh, I agree. I don't think they've ever gone anywhere. I think they've lost some market share. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you go to a, a beer store nowadays and it's like eighty percent hazy IPA. And mm-hmm. I think that actually is kind of dialed back again. I I think that's also part of Ocho's oversaturation. Um, yeah, yeah. The but, distro game. You guys, is there? Because we're not in the distro game, and I know nothing about. It. Is there? Is there any insights that you can tell me about the distro game? Like what? What do you? What are you brewing mostly? Do you know that what what customers are looking for? I know you're not a sales guy, but you, you you're brewing mm-hmm. the beers. Is there any insight you can give to? We <laughs> the distro game. It um, seems like a. It doesn't make sense. It's to a me. weird mark. It's crazy it, right now. The beer mean, market's crazy. You know, anyone who drinks free will knows Craggle Techno. I mean, we yeah. produce that almost ninety percent for distro. So those are going to the market all the time. Yeah. Um, we have beers like Garcia's Forest, which is the one you had earlier. The hazy IPA that's almost a West Coast hazy IPA. Um, that goes half and half, kind of almost split. Uh, but they do take quite a bit of it. And there's just not really any rhyme or reason. Like we we sometimes just brew beers to send to market. I don't hmm. I me being not a salesperson, yeah. I couldn't tell you. You know, like it's we don't send as much hazies to the market as I think we could. And maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe like I said, the market might be just oversaturated. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's I I, I don't have much insight. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get somebody like uh, you know a brew. Well, I'm gonna talk to Trogues. Trogues, will do see it, yeah. you know see see what he's seeing and um you know maybe but, get broken or uh, bro- not broken heels. Yeah, get broken heels new, on here. New trail, new trail yeah. on here because you but know look but, at Trogues. Like they're a prime example. Like they have all these brands. You go to their brewery and they have like some really awesome brands. But then like you have like their market and it's like the same beers you always get. And like there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Not only because like they're just really solid brands, but they're beers that. I think all age groups can appreciate like perpetual is like, it's a solid beer. Yeah, it is. You know? Yeah. And 
you can rely on it to if you go to a bar and there's like all these you know xyz brands like and you see professional like you know what professional is going to taste like yeah and it's i i think it seems like the the breweries that i've seen that have have, have had success seem to focus on certain styles they i haven't seen many breweries that do the shotgun approach they just like they do everything yeah. and they're succeeding like i feel like breweries that are doing well are known for maybe three styles yeah you know and trogues i guess is kind of an anomaly they're kind of known for everything ish but i would say even them like doppelbach yeah troganators they're clear ipas they're definitely known yeah. for and then they're pilsners like they're lagers like those three yeah. styles Sunshine i think pills unbelievable it slaps yeah yeah it beer. slaps exactly yeah mad elf slaps. too like you have a seasonal like a cult following that's beer. true yeah they I have mean, so well, many... you guys have ralphius like that's yeah that's fair you know it's yeah i guess that's kind of like maybe where we fall into is that um oh sorry no you're good you're good um our, our, our following Craggle, Techno, we have those seasonal beers that are come out once a year that people rely on. Garcia's Forest just happens to be one of them. People love that brand. People always love that brand. That's, that's a hazy, right? That's so, yep, the hazy we tried today. Okay. Um, we've gotten away from the Fruity Sours. Uh-huh. We have Blueberry Mash coming out again, uh, going strictly to market. We'll have some in-house, but uh, that's a market beer. But again, those are that's an anomaly. Like We produced, that's the first time I actually think we brewed that in a year. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you're. We used to do mash all the time. <laughs> you, you used to have we, some crazy mashes. Yeah, yeah, we used to do mash all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. It's, I'm not. I'm I don't not, think anybody really has. I'm if just somebody a guy who did now. <laughs> yeah, I the the lager thing. I think it was just more lower ABV options, uh, really. And we're like we're in the, we're in a state where Yangling is big, so you know lager is going to be king no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, actually, it's you, mean, you really don't take them into account, but they're like, yeah. like when you go to a bar in Pennsylvania and you say, "Give me a lager," they give you Yingling. it's Yingling. Yeah. yeah, like that's it's like a thing, and they're like nationally one of the highest selling brands in the entire country. Yeah, they, it's crazy. Yeah, they, it's, that beer is good. It's funny to see the Brewers Association keep adding barrels to whatever Yingling is to keep them a craft brewery. Like if you take if you take Yingling out of it and like Sam Adams. Like I forget the the number. It was like the the market share of craft breweries was like five percent. That's crazy. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. You take those two brands out, and then Sam Adams is, uh, now owns Dogfish Head. Yeah. It, like that's so much beer. That's a lot of beer. That's so much beer. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to move on to the next topic that I have here, and I know that you haven't been in the in the beer market for too long, but is is uh. And neither have I, you know, looking, I've been five years maybe or so, but you're about the same, but is there any changes that you've seen, um, in the beer scene, like any drastic changes, uh, whether it's brewing, whether it's what the market drinks, um, you know, something like that or nothing that you can kind of, it, for me personally, it seems that the trend has been going from like kind of out there stuff like you know oddball stuff like lots of adjuncted adjunct ingredients um styles not really defined by anything other than what you're throwing into it to classical styles when i say that like you know again the lagers have been a huge part i think every single brewery i've gone to in the past year has 
had some sort of original sour lager on there. Yeah. Um, the IPAs seem to have gone heavily away from any sort of fruited adjuncts, anything like that. It seems like people's palates are getting away from just adjuncts in general. And the only, the only exception to that I see is stouts. I mean, stouts. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, everybody loves barrel aged stouts that have adjuncts in them. That has never going to change, but no, I, I just remember going to bars years ago and seeing, Oh, uh, X, you know, whatever, whatever way, uh, IPA there is with mango or something like that, or, you know, all sorts of different fruit added to it, but it's not the case anymore. No. Yeah. I, it's, and, and the distro model too has, I think in the past five years has like really, um, there's a couple of breweries that come to mind, but I'm not going to mention them, but breweries that were so distro heavy and have just really reared it back and gone towards the tasting room. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think COVID really changed things <laughs> you know, yeah. like from what, cause I think people are specific to what brands they buy, what beers they buy. they, they attack certain breweries, put it that way. Like if there's, if there's a, if there's a pocket of breweries, I feel like people attack the one that what they think is the best, or maybe the top two that are the best. I think that's a big change. I think in the past five years, like even five years ago, I think even before COVID, I think people were willing to give, if, if you went to a brewery and you had a bad experience and you had bad beer, I think they were willing to give you another chance. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen anymore. You get one shot. There's a lot of (laughs) options now. Yeah, there is. Um, so th- those are the main things that I see. I'm interested to talk to somebody like, uh, like Trogner or somebody that's been in the industry for 10 plus years to get their insight as to how much the beer scene has changed. Because I was listening to a beer busters podcast, a uh, great podcast. If you don't listen to them, give them a follow, but they were talking to Jeremy Myers from the Shamney mm-hmm. or from a uh, Trogger brewing who used to brew it in Shamney. And he was 2012 or no maybe it was like 2015 talking about how much distro they were doing and stuff and i was like right this is and how you couldn't serve pints in your tasting room yeah like that was that was not that long ago and no. now pennsylvania is one of the most lenient states in the you know in the continental u.s yeah <laughs> for for breweries but yeah. um what are we drinking here <laughs> <laughs> speaking of adjuncts <laughs> speaking of adjuncts stouts uh we have a this so this is a, a partial blend of ralphius and our other stout with grand marnier barrel so we put into a grand marnier barrel which is like if you're not familiar with it it's uh essentially like an orange liqueur barrel okay um it smells like orange yeah and then we also added in um orange s cocoa and then we put it into another barrel as well so it's double barrel grand marnier oh bourbon. my god and then into a bright tank, we have a little mini bright tank. We added orange zest and chocolate. Dude, that literally tastes like it's just, it's a chocolate-covered orange zest. Yep. Or like candied. If you like candied orange zest and then chocolate-covered it. Yeah, it's, it's delicious. It's, it's a treat. Oh, my God. That's so fantastic. And so I'm sure everybody knows what Ralphius is, but what's Ralphius? Ralphius is a treat. <laughs> it's a treat. <laughs> um, Ralphius is a beer we brew once a year. Um, and it's big. I mean, like we're talking 15, 14, 13% ABV before it goes into barrels. Oh my God. Um, goes into barrels for at least one, two years. Sometimes we have a three year. Um, and we essentially all we do is we just change barrel to barrel. If we do a double barrel, we, it goes into two barrels. Um, and we add adjuncts to certain styles as well. Uh, we, we like to pick our barrels precisely i mean we'll we'll if we know we want to have a certain flavor profile we'll go on pick a barrel that's going to do that 
and we actually won't add any adjuncts to Ralphius anymore. There is you don't you don't what say that again. There is only two brands off the top of my head that are adjuncted off Ralphius. We have switched Ralphius completely from a bourbon barrel aged stout with adjuncts to a bourbon barrel aged stout specifically, and we get all the flavors from bourbon barrels or whatever barrels we choose from. Interesting. Um, so before it used to be, you just have all, all these different flavors. Um, recently we've only done vanilla and coffee. So there's only two adjuncts that go into it and everything else we have 20, last year we had 22 variants. They were all different barrels and they all had unique flavors. Oh, I see. Okay. So we tried to, we, we, we tried splitting the brands up a little bit, um, and getting Ralphie's away from adding, you know, chili, cinnamon, chili, all that stuff like we used to do. That one. But so in, (laughs) uh, (laughs) In hindsight of that, we have these ones now, which is a blend. Sometimes it's a blend of Ralphius. Sometimes it's a blend of um, other stout we make. And that one is our adjuncted stout. So we are going to do this uh, for the foreseeable future. And we'll have just that that variation of beer from Ralphius to adjuncted stout. Gotcha. Yeah, Ralphius is Black Friday, right? Black Friday every, every Black Friday, it's, it's yeah. nuts at Freewell. Yeah. It's one of those beers that still has that cold following. Like mm-hmm. that's the line life thing has kind of died down. Ralphius has not. No. <laughs> Ralphius has kept that line life mentality. But dude, this is this is fantastic. I haven't had. I usually haven't enjoyed barrel aged styles like this recently, but this is. Yeah. You have some stuff coming out soon, right? Our stuff. Yeah, barrel aged style. Yeah, we well we got a port barrel, which I'm really interested to see what what it does. I and we put a stout in there. Um, the, the whiskey stuff, you can, you can, you can project what it's going to taste like. Right. The port, we have no clue. (laughs) I have no clue. I have, yeah. It's fruity. It's fruity as hell. hell. Yeah. Yeah. I have no clue what it's going to taste like. I have no idea how long to keep it in there. Right. Um, the, when I picked it up from the barrel place, we, we pick up our barrels from Northeast barrel, which is an awesome guy. He's right in Lansdale. Mm -hmm. He's like right down the street from well-crafted brewing. Shout out to well-crafted great brewery. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. One of the most underrated breweries, yeah. I think, in the area. He doesn't get enough street cred. He's his beers are phenomenal. I miss Krupel. Krupel, if you Krupel, hear us, I oh, miss you. we do miss you, Krupel. <laughs> yeah, Krupel was a brewer there, and he moved out to Chicago. <sighs> yeah, he left us. We lost. We lost. He a, left. Us. We lost a real one in the scene here. We did. He went to Chicago. Back to Chicago. But he's happy. <laughs> but anyways, this, yeah, th- this guy said that most people when they pick up, uh, and he ships all over the country. Most most people are. Uh, doing Belgian doubles, Belgian triples with it. And he said he's never heard of anybody doing a stout in a port barrel. Hmm. I was like, what? I was like, I feel like that's like a perfect, like a chocolate covered chip, like this. Yeah. I think this beer in a port barrel, like, you know, we might add cherries to it and raspberries to tart it up a bit. So we'll see. It's a, it was also uh, 150 gallons. That's big. It's a huge barrel. We did, uh, we last year we did a Ralphius, Tawny Port. We did bourbon and then transferred the bourbon barrel to Tony Port. How'd that come out? Super fruity. Really? So, yeah. You, if you if you add fruit to it, you're gonna have you're gonna set yourself for success. Yeah. <laughs> it's it was awesome. I mean, it, that's a fun barrel to play with. Yeah, we were thinking about doing bourbon first and then putting into the like you said like a twenty. That's well, we got a twenty port, but yeah. I was like, ah, oh, let's just add go for the port. Add fruit to it. It's so fruity as it is, and like you get that little extra will just take it a mile. Yeah, we're excited. It was so when we went there, we were only expecting to take home. Not only, we were expected to get fourteen barrels, and then uh, Timmy was like, "What are these huge things?" And he's like, "Dude, they're port barrels." And he's like, "We got to get these next time." And then Timmy went back into his car. He had a phone call, and me and Jay popped one open. We're like, 
we have to buy it. <laughs> it's like we smelled it. It just smells like a chocolate covered cherry. I was like, yeah. And caramel. It, oh, we had we had to get it. Um, I'm glad we did. So we'll see. Hopefully, it's not a uh, that barrel was a thousand dollars. So hopefully, it's <laughs> so hopefully hopefully it comes out good. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in because you're the brewmaster uh, recipe formulation. <laughs> um, how do you, how do you come up with recipes? Let's say that you have an idea. You want a hazy IPA, whatever, with certain flavors. Do you how do, how do you go through the process of actually making the recipe to get it get the end product to what you want? Sure. Um, so when it comes to hazy, I mean, I have a few different variations of bases. I I you know I, my first thing is what I want the mouthfeel to be. So I look at uh, finishing gravity. How much oats am I going to throw, and how much weed is going to go into it. Um, and then from there I go from, once I have the mouth feel how I want that to go, I go to the aroma and the flavor. So obviously the hops. So I, I generally have an idea of what I have on hand for hops. Um, I know, you generally, generally have an idea. Have an idea. <laughs> uh, sometimes we have a <laughs> hops just disappeared for you. <laughs> sometimes we have hops just show up. Sometimes they just, they go elsewhere. I don't know. Who knows? Nice. Um, and that's, you know, that's part of it. It's part of my, you know, my area where I just am. Apparently not that great at it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I want to throw this hobby. And they're like, yeah, we don't have that anymore. I'm like, where'd it go? And they're like, oh, one of that last beer. I'm like, ah. Oh, shoot. Shit. <laughs> Brett, can you please? Yeah. Brett, please order me more hops. <laughs> um, oh, that's when you te- Well, actually, yeah, you guys have saved my ass a couple times with Pilsner Malt. But yeah. <laughs> we, we Luckily, we have a lot of good friends in the industry. And yeah. they uh, we help each other out. So we're not, we're never really like, never lost I don't have a recipe made before it's getting brewed. Wait, no, that doesn't make sense. I don't have I don't have a recipe going into the mash on before it is uh, accounted for. So like everything is going to be there before I know that the brew is actually going to happen. Um, gotcha. But that being said, uh, back to where we were. You know, bring it back. Yeah, um, bring it back. Yeah, bring it back. Um, just knowing your ingredients, I think, is the biggest part of any kind of IPA. Knowing your hops. Um, I like to smell every single hop before it goes anywhere near the brew house. Okay. Um, I know the the flavor profile I want in that IPA before. So a lot of times you, I will go onto their, you know, the, whatever Hopswire's website is, find their notes, um, and then go smell the hops and see if, like, their notes are pretty close to it. And if they're not to it, then I make an adjustment. Um, and that's just for hazy. I mean, hazy's it's a different type of recipe development just because... I have in my mind mouthfeel, finishing gravity, um, ABV, and then I have the hop profile. But where it comes to lagers is like grain, yeah. Um, yeast again, the hop profile, the yeast, temperature, everything like that. Yeah, water. Um, it matters so much more because there's less to hide behind. Mm-hmm. I'm not throwing 33 pounds, 44 pounds of hops at a lager. Yeah. And that's where it comes tricky because you really have to play into the nuance of the grain. Like if we're going for Hellas, are we going to add some sort of melanoidin malt or anything like that? Or are we going to decoct it? Are we going to double decoct it? What are we yeah. going to do? There's a lot of ways around it. And you can ask everybody and everybody's going to tell you a different opinion on it. Oh my gosh. I know. You ask a German guy, he's going to tell you, oh no, no melanoidin malt. That's not the same as decocting. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, there's so many ways to go about it. And it really, I think that's kind of what makes your brewery your brewery. Yeah. is how you, the recipe developer goes about it. And that's yeah, that's it's, the tough part, you know. It, it is. is, yeah. And some of, some of the best brewers that I've met uh, seem to be they actually like listen. If that makes sense, like I'm thinking of. I know we brought up Trogner, but 
uh, of Trogue's Brewing, but he, he seems to be somebody that, and he, with all the excess that he's had, he seems to like listen to everybody's opinions, takes what he likes and then maybe applies it. And he, um, some of the best brewers I've seen seem to be super humble with recipe formulation. And some people get super opinionated. And I think when you get like that, you kind of pin yourself in a corner. Yeah. Um, when you think that you're the only, you know, when you're right and you know, there's, there's some people that are way smarter than me that, you know, maybe they are super right. But I, I think that, um, the best brewers seem to have the open minds. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, um, and brewers that are able to take criticism and be able to maybe make some adjustments to the recipes and like, it could be a minor thing, like minor thing. Like I know with us, like our, our when we first opened our yeast was, not the best for a hazy IPA. Like we're using a Hefeweizen yeast. Yeah. And then we switched to a different yeast, you know, a traditional hazy IPA yeast. And one switch like that, it is same recipe and the beer came out phenomenal. Right. So it's making small adjustments like that. Yeah. I mean, we've had lagers of free will that like we're that close. Yeah. And, you know, tasting it, like actually looking into it, it's like, oh, it's a little more IBUs. Well, Sometimes that IV difference is six, seven IVs. That's all it Not takes. Because, you know, the human palate yeah. was only able to taste five difference, a difference of five IVs. So, really, you have to go above five, but you can't go too far above it because then, you you know, there's eventually you get to the point where it's too much. But, well, it was like the it, bitter, the bitter wars back in 2015. Like, once you go over 100 IBUs, you're, you're, you're just, yeah. you're wasting money. It's, that's what it, it really comes down to understanding all of your ingredients from start to finish, your grain, your hops, all of it. Um, and I, you know, honestly, that, that is the most rewarding part of my job. I love making recipes. I, it it's is fun. It is the most fun. I love it. I love the seeing the process from when I click it on, you know, put it into a, a Excel sheet to tasting the beer at the end. Cause you could change something as small as two, 3% and it changes the beer. And, and even that's the, fun. The hops from that's, year to year. That's what I mean. It's a, it's just so much fun. Yeah. And you know, the, the plus side to, you know, here's a, a, a little rewind back, but a plus side of our size versus say like um, big guys like dogfish, dogfish, somebody like that. Yeah. Even even Trogues, like they they have brands that have been established for 15, 20 years. Yeah, that us new brewers come in, and we say, hey, hey, hop growers, we want more oils. We don't want as much. We don't want the kilning temperatures as high for the hops. Yeah, and next thing you know, like these these guys who have recipes that have been developed for 15, 20 years now get hop creep and their beers don't taste the same and the hops aren't aren't as the same profile as before and who who decides what's right i don't know the, yeah, and the, the the thousands of small breweries are the big guys yeah i don't know uh the the hop creep thing i think so hop creep is when the the yeast referments the sugars that are available in hops right and and it came to fruition uh, when brewers were demanding that we need lower kilning temperatures so that we can keep these really juicy flavors that we're looking for. And I believe the, one of the first breweries that, that noticed that hop creep was happening was Allagash yep. and their little brat, which they used to dry hop, and then they would bottle it, and the bottles were just exploding, exploding yeah. because and the and they centrifuge everything, yeah. and the, and there was just getting refermentation, and it's essentially what's happening in the bottles refermentation. They they thought it was infected. Yeah, I was talking to the head brewer there, and he thought it was infected, and then we find out about hop creep, and yeah, hop creep is it seems it seems to not be as much of an issue for a brewery like our sizes. We, um, we also adjust to it. Yeah, you have to. You yeah. have to. 
And we we use that hop creep actually to help carbonate our beers. Like when we dry hop, we I'm, I'm sure you do the same thing. You seal the tanks, you know, make yep. sure that you create that carbonation. But and then we make sure that customers know to keep you know keep it cold. But um, somebody like you know Dogfish Head, Sam Adams, they got to deal with hop creep because they got beers that are sitting out on the market in 100 degrees. Yeah, <laughs> and also just the flavor profile change of the kilning. Like you have to, you know, you have to accommodate that. Like that's actually something that um, Ben was talking about at uh, that last NBI meeting. Was that he said that you know certain brands they've had established for fifteen twenty years now that the kilning temperatures have actually changed it, and they they just don't have. I guess they have the pool, but they don't want to have the pool of telling hop growers to stop kilning at the temperatures they are now and going higher. Yeah, because what happens then is you're there has to be a point where small brewers and big brewers unite and that to agree on a temperature because otherwise like you're you're gonna have the guys who have had recipes for 20 years cannot be able to re remake that recipe originally i see what you're saying you know, you know what i'm saying yeah 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 that's an interesting it, it's a it's a side i never thought about until i heard him talk about it yeah it's really not i've, I've never even thought about that it's yeah because you gotta think about that like what if you have a brand like what if craggle one day changed because hey our hop growers are growing hops differently to yeah. accommodate new brewers yeah. Or do, what do we do? Do we adjust our recipe or do we request the hop growers to stop doing what those? To stop killing at yeah. a certain temperature. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And hops, hops change from year to year. And that was something That's the that other thing. It, it was so eye opening when we went out to hop selection this year and literally having the same citra grown two acres apart or five acres apart in the same farm, smelling it and each lot smelled different. Like that's incredible. Crazy. That's crazy. That's yeah. science. That's I know. And then you got to think year to year, and you know, some somebody that distros a ton, they have to be able to select hops to make the beer taste the same exact way every, every single year. year. And it's crazy. And knowing what percentages to, how many barrels to, you know, how many pounds per barrel to add to it. Pretty pretty crazy concept to think about it. It's <laughs> it's like super cool and super exciting to think about getting to that level, but also like intimidating yeah would you want to would you want to be on that level i don't it sounds kind of cool but also like, <laughs> I'm like what if i what what if i fuck it up you know yeah you know that's, I, that's a lot of responsibility yeah i i'm i'm not sure i don't know yeah. i hopefully i never get that we never get that big but who knows we we don't want to me personally but it would be cool <laughs> it would be cool to do a ten thousand barrel batch one day yeah. um moving on i we're, we're starting to see 12 ounce cans come back how do you, uh, yeah, how do you think, and this is funny, we have three different size cans here. How do you think can size uh, affects how the customers drink it? <laughs> I don't know. I can give my opinion for it. I, so I, I, I think because um, hazies have to be 16 ounce cans. Always. Yeah. I think lagers in 12 ounce cans are starting to come back. And then the slims, seltzers, obviously. But it's like imagine putting a like a hazy IPA in a slim, like how the customer would perceive that. You yeah. Know? So that's I'm really interested in like if you if we did a hazy, say we did Citrus Sensation in a 12 ounce can, I don't think the customer would accept it as well compared to a you 16 know, ounce. I actually agree with that. I, right? I thought about it, I'm like going to do it. I'm like, oh, you know, I think like a session would be good in a 12 ounce. But like then again, it's a session for a reason. Yeah. You should be able to drink you, a full you can 16 have ounce of it, of it yeah. and not have to worry about it. 
We've been thinking about putting like a triple IPA in a twelve ounce can because I a, like that. A commitment like a sixteen ounce can of a triple IPA is a too ton. much. Yeah, it's too it's much. a ton. But how how the market perceives it is really interesting because um, I think that the market, you know, think twelve ounce cans Bud Light. They think a you know big macro beers. So that's that's why I think twelve ounce cans in the past have gotten a bad rap. Right, but. Who knows? Uh-huh. I'm interested to see. I, I'm starting to see a lot of more 12 ounce cans. We're doing one, you yeah. know, coming up here. We we do a lot of our like uh, our year round lagers are in 12 ounce cans, and we've had no negative feedback. That's good. Yeah, like there's just there's not like any positive feedback, but there's also not any really negative feedback. Like I don't think it really, I don't think it matters much. It just feels right. Yeah, you know, like this this feels right. Drinking a lager out of a 12 ounce <laughs> this can feels right. It does. Yeah. I'm interested to but see. But there, then that's the other side. It's like we do dry hop lagers, and they're in 16 ounce cans. Mm-hmm. That, that feels right. But like, why? Does, I know why. Why does this feel right? I think I like know. a beer that you crush, like it, a beer that you can like sit on the back porch and just have like a ton of. That's a 12, 12 ounce, ounce can. can. Yeah, but like a hoppy lager, sometimes that's like something with a meal. Yeah. Like that's a good meal. Like a 16 ounce. I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how it, how it goes, but I would love to do one day the same exact beer, new beers in a 16 ounce can and then a 12 ounce can, and see the untapped ratings and see which one rates better. I think the 16 I mean, ounce can. That's was, a psychological yeah. experiment. Yeah, yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, we're gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you what do you see in the future? We're we're gonna wrap up here in a bit. Um, what, what do you see in the future for yourself? Uh, for free will. Um. You know, all that good stuff. Honestly, I just want to keep taking like science that new science coming out and, and applying that to traditional brewing practice. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but um, the fun of being a brewer in this age is the fact that we have all this science and all this data and research at our just literally, we can go online and find it. Yeah. It's at, it's at our use whenever we want it. And then we can also use that with traditional brewing science. And kind of apply them together and see what kind of beers we can make. And I think, like I said earlier, like I think that that traditional style, uh, the classic style beers coming back, there's a lot of opportunity to just make really solid beer mm-hmm. without going over the top. And I think that's yeah. that's exciting for me. I mean, like as a brewer, like you know, we love to really dial in the process mm-hmm. and seeing how the process actually makes a beer better is always exciting. Yeah, because like it could be the smallest speak but if it makes it better like you know it makes me happy yeah always always uh never satisfied exactly and that you know at our level that's exactly what it is mm-hmm. just how can we make it better yeah well i'm excited to see what uh the future holds for you i think you're one of the best brewers in pennsylvania oh sorry. uh <laughs> no you are uh I'm, I'm excited to see where you're able to take free wool's beer program and uh, I appreciate you coming on and uh, thank you and I'm sure we'll have you on again so do you have do you have any insight on that curious to hear what you have to say for what the what the future holds for you beer styles all that whenever not I I want I want to continue to for Warwick Farm Brewing I I want us to continue to bring a, a very friendly atmosphere to the to the beer industry and also, just continue to to make the best beers that we possibly can. I th- I think going forward, like our motto is great beer, and you know just even better people. And I think that that's a goal of ours. I I want to get to the point, you know, where 
we maybe have two tasting rooms yeah. and you know we're we're just kind of able to just continue to move this brand forward but i i see for for myself and and for the for our company i just see us continuing to try and make the best beer possible and i think it's important to to show just because you're getting bigger doesn't mean that the beer quality is going down right. you know it's keeping right. the beer quality the same as you grow so that's yeah. that's my goal and being able to per- mean, and perceive that well to the customer base you've done that a good job of that i mean me being a, a guy who's been drinking your beer since where you're actually open like proud to call you a friend proud to call you a, mm. a co-worker so thanks dude yeah a co-worker you, you know too. what i mean yeah a, yeah yeah a co-brewer um yeah you guys have been done a, done a great job and thanks, you guys dude. should be proud of that and you make you know bucks county proud oh thanks dude yeah i we appreciate have, that we have we have a really nice uh i would say in, a, in bucks county a really nice plethora of breweries and yeah i think you know, we do we, we have a really we have a, a really nice setup i think a lot of breweries are getting a lot better before we sign off here like there are I think free will is a great example. Like I think free will has really raised the game on like on their beer program since you've come in, and then also like Broken Goblet, man, like Broken those, Goblet's yeah, good. super underrated I love those guys. Yeah, Second Sin's doing great stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm gonna leave everybody out, but like there's so Sorry, many Bucks guys. County. I know. It's Sorry like, guys, um, even local to me. Like like we we drop Well Crafted's name. Ten Seven is only yeah. twenty minutes from here. Like there's so there's, many. There's good beer everywhere you go. Really, yeah. And there's not like, uh, like there used to, I would say 10 years ago, there was a lot of breweries that you'd be like, oh, they make some bad beer. But even not those breweries anymore. now, yeah, like you, you no. go to those breweries that used to make bad beer, quote unquote, and they're making decent stuff. It's like, all right, like, let's yeah. go. This is, it's awesome to see. Um, everybody's getting a, a lot more, uh, I guess, better. Is that, yeah. is that no, fair to say? You know, when one of us succeeds, we all succeed. That's the thing. Is, yeah. You know, we're all, we have a nice, a nice tight-knit group of breweries. And, mm-hmm. I mean, luckily, we have great customers who love to go, not just to one brewery, but multiple breweries in a day. And I mean, yeah, us Perkins, all. No, per- seriously. I mean, not even just Perkins, but I'm saying, like, all over Bucks County. I mean, that, that Ale Trail. Oh, my god. One of the best things ever happened. I mean, you, like, literally, you have guys who are like, oh, I just was out here and here and here and they want the number. Yeah. Yep. If you uh, if you are not familiar with the Ale Trail, it is uh, visitbucks.com. Go check them out. Just look up Ale Trail. They literally have like if you sign ten breweries or whatever, they send you a free shirt. Visit Bucks. We might have something up our oh, sleeve yeah. with them Shocker. in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Perkins. There's there's so many breweries popping up. Perkins is a good example. There's three breweries. Uh, the what do they call that? The Walnut Walk now or something? Or, or I don't know. What's the main street? I don't know. They call yeah, it something. Van Louis, Mystic Ways, Mystic Ways. Know, yeah. Uh, hopefully and, more to come. Yeah. Yeah. We'll uh, see. Well, hopefully. we're we're gonna sign off here. Um, Sean, again, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. We will have you on again. I am very sure. But um, I'll let you know when this releases, and we're all good. We'll see you June 24th. All right. <laughs> all right. Cheers. cheers.